Today on CityCast Houston. Most of us in Houston, when we think suburb, we think the woodlands. But shouldn't that place, with its office high-rises and its shopping and its healthy tax base, be a grown-up city by now? Why did the residents of the woodlands just vote against that? When I need to understand stuff like that, or sometimes when I just feel like a good fight, I call Evan Mintz, our CityCast political contributor. It's Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hey, Evan. Thanks for being here. Hey, Lisa. Great to be here. Good. So, Evan, describe the woodlands for me. (laughs) One of my favorite stories about the woodlands is when a Houstonia magazine first started up. They did a series about the Houston suburbs because, like, let's be honest, Houston is really defined by its suburbs. As much as we want to talk about downtown or inside the loop or all that stuff, like trying to describe the the suburbs of Houston is like a land war in Asia. It's just so much of it and no, <laughs> and no one has done it. Like it is impossible to cover. So they went out to each one of the suburbs, the major suburbs, Pearland, Sugarland, the Woodlands, and walking around downtown Woodlands just tried to talk to people to talk about what's it like living there, what they like about it, what do they not like. And at a certain point, uh, a security guard came up to them and told them they couldn't do that anymore. And their permission to be there had been revoked. And I feel like, yeah, that that feels like the Woodlands to me. (laughs) So like super controlled, the most master planned of master planned communities. It's kind of ironic that Houston, this place that is famous for not having zoning, uh, also has this hyper-controlled, hyper-designed suburb to its north that only exists because of the lack of zoning, uh, which made it possible to build something like this within its extraterritorial jurisdiction. So, all right, if I remember right, it was started, I think, 1974 by, like, George Mitchell, that weirdly eco-sensitive oil man who, I realize that sounds like a contradiction in terms, but he also wanted to create like an eco-sensitive suburb, which another contradiction in terms. Right. It officially opened in 1974, but to understand like why the Woodlands, I think you've got to go back to the 60s. To understand anything going on in our boomer-dominated America today, you've got to go back (laughs) to the 60s. And so you had George Mitchell who is this son of Greek immigrants, one of eight kids, grew up in Galveston and Houston, worked incredibly hard, saw his dad running like dry cleaning shops, doing anything to make money for the family. George goes off to Texas A&M, graduates top of his class and becomes incredibly successful in oil and gas industry as a worker, then setting up his own oil and gas company. But because of his background, he always had this kind of sympathy to social justice issues. Hmm. And he thought to himself, like, we've got to build a better city. We want to build a place where people can live that is sensitive to the environment, that is racially and economically diverse. Who boy. Um, I know. And uh-huh. while he had a lot of money to make this happen, he also had a lot of debts. He had his uh, assets weren't necessarily liquid. A lot of stuff was tied up. So at the time, you had something called Title VII, which granted guaranteed loans and grants to new cities. The idea of the federal government was giving money 
to private developers to build brand new cities out of whole cloth. Cities, not yeah. suburbs, cities. Well, towns. Over the next several years through the 70s, 80s, uh, and into the early 90s, got about $17 million in grants from the federal government to build, which is kind of funny to think that this place that right now was having a big fight about the ability to draw down federal grants and a lot of people saying they didn't want that federal money, they didn't want string attached. They're only there because of the federal <laughs> money and the strings attached that came <laughs> along with it. So from the beginning, the vision was that it would grow up and be a city though, right? Well, that wasn't the original idea. George no. Mitchell thought that eventually it should be annexed by the city of Houston. Oh, okay. In fact, he thought that something the Woodlands could provide was a revenue stream to help uh, funnel dollars from the woodlands, from the wealth that could be generated out there to the urban center that really had needs and had a lack oh, of funds. Man. That was what George Mitchell wanted to happen at the time. Bless his heart. I know. <laughs> in fact, George Mitchell was the one who requested that the woodlands be placed in the city of Houston's extraterritorial jurisdiction. So, like, let's fast forward and talk about how we got from there to where we are now, where like mm -hmm. the Woodlands house that sticks in my head is the one that just sold for $6 million that has that three-story <laughs> shoe closet. I mean, this is not the George Mitchell idea, right? No, the Woodlands was not originally like this. Throughout the 80s, about 15% of housing developments, of housing in the Woodlands was considered affordable housing through low or middle income. And some of that was requirements from uh, from the federal government to get those loans and grants. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of it was also just that's how development came along. But as time progressed, I'd say it's even less now. And even if you look at the big, nice houses in the woodlands from the very early years, it was built in this kind of, I'd say like Colorado Pacific Northwest idea of environmentalism. You had like nice sized homes on very big lots. And you have all these beautiful pine trees, but you also had some oaks, you have some magnolias, and there was concern around development in the very early years that if you put in a lot of drainage, you're going to kill a bunch of these trees. And all those trees were as much as possible left in there. Right. There's a lot of beautiful tree cover there. I will give them credit for that. But if you look at a lot of the housing now, it's big homes that take up almost the entire lot space. That idea of what the woodland's supposed to be has gone away from like this interesting utopianist vision to just another suburb. Okay, so let's talk about that election. Mm -hmm. So on November, what was it, 2nd, voters like turned down these propositions that would have changed the woodlands from a township into a city. And they did it by like two mm -hmm. to one. Yeah, so, like, overwhelming. What was going on there? Like, okay, so just to start with, what does it mean to be a city? Right now, the Woodlands is a township, which is this unique construction that essentially allows it to avoid being annexed by either Houston or Conroe. And the legislature had to make some changes to create uh, these regional participation agreements so that they could get some services and not others and pay the cities in exchange. It was a weird unique thing for the woodlands. Oh, so they can get a la carte services without Exactly. Belonging? And a okay. lot of what they get are services from Montgomery County. They contract with Montgomery County 
to get law enforcement. They rely on the county to build a lot of roads and set regulations to the extent that the county can. Okay, but they aren't. But they can't do the things that a city normally can do. They can't do ordinances. They can't do uh, certain uh, fees and taxes to raise revenue. Uh, and they can't really have control over what can and can't be done uh, in their city. I was reading an interesting quote from someone describing this was like in the like mid 90s about the problem of every July 5th and that in the woodlands, the local, whatever you want to call it, government would always get tons of complaints on every July 5th because of all the fireworks being shot off. But because they didn't have ordinance making powers, they couldn't ban the use of fireworks within woodlands, which was funny to me to see a few years ago, the legislature finally allowed counties to ban fireworks, to set regulations around that. But there's so many other little things that they just can't do. They can't control speed limits on their own. They can't control planting and cutting down of trees. Uh, they can't zone if they want to. It's, it's a lot of stuff. So why the heck did they vote two to one not to be a city? That's a very good question. There's a lot of push against incorporation. Uh, a lot of people who were content with the status quo and they don't see things being bad right now. So if it's not broke, why fix it? They didn't trust that the projections for uh, revenue and taxations were accurate for incorporation. They thought it meant their taxes would go up. They thought it meant that uh, having a city was going to mean more uh, busybody meddling with their way of life and putting regulations on them that they didn't want to have to deal with. Wait, so a city where you know they have an elected government would be putting more restrictions on them than the master-planned community developers? So this is kind of ironic. I think there's this fear that right now people who live in the woodlands have exactly what they want and no one can tell them that they can't do anything. And that if they have a city, the city might start to do stuff they don't want to do. But it'll be their city. They'll be able to elect it. They'll be able to have the leadership. I think maybe a lot of it is just symbolism that people don't want to have that level of government on top of them, even though you have county government on top of you. Oh, man. So I think it's like fear of democracy. And it's fear of democracy, but it's all the other people who live in the woodlands. And <laughs> that's democracy. I guess so. The problem is other people. <laughs> all right. Before you go, Evan, on CityCast Houston, we like to give listeners recommendations about things that we are loving in Houston right now. What is something that is making you happy? Oh, this weather is perfect. You know, speaking of zoning, uh, Houston does not have zoned weather. There is not like a nice spring and then a hot summer and then like a cool fall and then a cold winter. <laughs> it's just like you get these bizarre moments where like it's hot out and then it's nice and then it's too cold and then it's hot again. Just like like this checkerboard of weather. And right now we've had it's like a good couple weeks of like nice weather. And I'm very much enjoying that. All right. Uh, my recommendation is this band called, well, I guess I can call them a band, Bafo Metronome. Um, it's the world's only trombone-centric goat farmer goth cover band. It's the couple that runs Blue Heron Farm out in Waller County and a trombone. And they do a cover of Royals. It cracks me up. So there you go. We will have a link to Bafo Metronome's YouTube channel in our show notes. So, Farrell, what's going on in Houston? 
I saw a cool headline today. Houston is close to effectively ending homelessness, apparently. Houston could be the first city in the United States to end homelessness, according to this. It has apparently declined 50% since 2011. This is all according to Mike Nichols, the CEO and president of the Coalition of the Homeless of Houston, Harris County. And he says to do it, to end homelessness in Houston once and for all, he says it will take about 1,900 apartments for single adults to get there. And all of this is according to the Kinder Institute for Urban Research at Rice. That's it for today. If you liked what you heard, follow us wherever you're getting your podcast and please give us lots of stars. We need it. We're new. We're fresh. We got to find people. Also, if you're not already signed up for our newsletter, do that. It's fun. It's at houston.citycast.fm. See you Thursday. Am I getting too, like, bright and caffeinated and FM radio?